Hello, and welcome to the Auditory Chronicles podcast, a monthly program bringing you short tales for your listening pleasure. I'm your host, John McKenzie. In this episode, we bring you an adaptation of a short story published in 1915. It is the chilling tale of a baron's effort to woo the woman he desires. Tardis the Terrible, adapted from a short story by H. Hesketh Pritchard. On the clearest day, the Baron de Tardis could climb to the highest tower of his castle, and as far as he could see stretched his own land and its cowering inhabitants. Far from the capital and shut in by his mountains and forests, he lived practically the life of a robber chieftain. When first de Tardis saw Adrienne de Carteret of Normand, he set himself to win her. Apart from her great beauty, she was well worth the winning, for she possessed broad lands in her own right. De Tardis, who could be very pleasant when he so desired, had seemed to make some headway in Adrienne's good graces. But at the arrival of the young Count André de Lavelle, all was changed. Soon, Adrienne had agreed to wed the handsome youth, who possessed nothing but a few hundred barren acres in one of the Pyrenean valleys. De Tardis found himself slighted, as he conceived, and forgotten, as he most truly was. And then, one day, young de Lavelle had gone hunting in the dark mountain woods, and from that hunt he never returned. Adrienne continued to hope against hope that one day he would return to her. When the Baron de Tardis renewed his suit, Adrienne exclaimed that if André de Lavelle were indeed dead, she would die unmarried. Dinner had just commenced for the Baron de Tardis. He sat alone in front of a heavy table. A single attendant, Pierre, stood behind his chair. Pierre! de Tardis called. Yes, Monsieur le Baron, was the reply. I grow lonely. I must have company. Is the Count at home? asked de Tardis. Yes, Monsieur le Baron repeated the attendant with a grin. Then I shall be glad of his company, said the Baron. Pierre crossed the room and touched a spring in the wall, and a panel backed with iron slipped back, disclosing an aperture behind it. Across the mouth of this secret aperture, thick iron bars showed in the lamplight. An iron cage had been introduced into the secret chamber, and from between its bars, a human face peered forth through a thatch of hair and beard, uncut for months. The Baron de Tardis rose in his place and bowed low. The man in the cage, Count André de Lavelle, made no reply. You love life, sneered the Baron, watching him. While I live, I hope, said de Lavelle, that someday, someday you both may lie at my mercy. Pierre, when did the Count dine last? On Tuesday, Monsieur le Baron, said Pierre. And this is Thursday exclaimed the Baron. <laughs> he must be hungry. The Baron helped himself to a huge grilled bone. When he had cut off the greater part of the meat for himself, he caught up the bone and hurled it at the man in the cage. The bone struck the bars and fell to the ground. There, he cried. Feast and be merry. The Baron laughed long and loudly. Then, turning to Pierre, Go, Pierre. I desire a tete-a-tete with Monsieur. As soon as they were alone, the Baron de Tardis, with his eyes fixed on the prisoner, continued his dinner and said, I have news for you, my dear Count. I saw Mademoiselle Adrienne today. She is more beautiful than ever. And it may interest you to know that I asked her whether she had changed her mind and would become my wife. The man in the cage sprang up. And she refused. I know it. Not at all, my dear Count. You are wrong. She accepted on one condition. A condition which she thought impossible, but which we know is by no means so. 
replied his tormentor smoothly. She imagines that you are not dead, and declares that she will never accept me until she hears you renounce her with your own lips. I will die first, cried Count de Lavelle. No doubt, my young friend, but unfortunately for you, it is not a question of dying, but of living. Ten, twenty, perhaps thirty years like a blackbird in that cage. You fool. But I forget, you have not seen yourself. Detardus seized a mirror and, crossing the floor, held it up to the cage. In it, André de Lavelle saw reflected a thing hardly human, a wolfish face snarling from a mass of tangled hair. He recoiled. Detardus continued. You have changed from that debonair creature Mademoiselle Adrienne remembers. The curling dark hair, the bronze cheeks, where are they? Ah, if she saw you now, what would she think of you? The Baron laughed suddenly and harshly. Several days later, the Baron de Tardis strode into his gloomy hall. A sumptuous feast was laid upon the table. Swan and Eros lamb stood at one end. Dishes of fruit and beakers of wine glinted and shone in the flaring lights. De Tardis glanced at the preparations and nodded his head in satisfaction. Then he stepped across and touched the spring which rolled back the secret panel and disclosed the cage upon the straw-strewn floor of which crouched Count de Lavelle. Ah, my dear Count, said he, you will perceive that my table is laid for two. Yesterday I did myself the honor of visiting Mademoiselle Adrienne. I informed her that I had news of you and added that if she would come here tonight I would communicate this news. Adrienne here tonight? cried the prisoner. The Baron laughed. Does not her coming rejoice you since you have seen yourself as you now are, she who is so proud, so fastidious? But enough of that. When you see her, you will tell her that you no longer love her, and that you give her back her promise. If you do this, you shall be set free before morning. And if I refuse? demanded the prisoner. Why then we shall enjoy ourselves for many years to come, you and I. Not that the choice will be a very difficult one, for Mademoiselle Adrienne will spurn you and loathe you. Now, there are details that I shall expect you to corroborate. First, then, I captured you not because Mademoiselle Adrienne loved you, and I loved her, oh no, but because although you were betrothed to her, you were paying your addresses to Diane Loiseau, the daughter of one of my foresters. I, hearing of this, and being naturally and righteously enraged at your perfidy, seized you and punished you. Do you understand? You wish me to acknowledge and bear witness to the truth of these lies before Mademoiselle Adrienne? You forget that she will question this forester's daughter, said the Count scornfully. Diane will say anything that I tell her, the Baron reassured him. Understand that. You have your choice. It is not a hard one. On the one side, freedom. On the other, such a life as few have endured since the beginning of the world. Ah, that must be Pierre. They have come. The Baron pressed the spring, and the panel shot forward, hiding the cage. Soon after, Pierre threw open the door, and Adrienne de Carteret advanced into the room. She made a beautiful picture with her raven hair against the dark and rugged background of the somber hall of de Tardis, who kissed her hand with an exaggeration of respect. You will eat after your ride, said he. See, I have drawn upon all the resources of my poor estate. I am grateful, replied Adrienne, but I am not hungry. I have come here for a purpose. I desire to fulfill that purpose and then depart. Tut tut, cried the Baron. I shall take it ill if you thus refuse my hospitality on this, your first visit to my poor chateau. 
Come, sit down, and taste some of this swan that has fattened in a lake surrounded by chestnut trees. The Baron hardly removed his eyes from his visitor's lovely face as he gestured to the table. Adrienne sighed, and as the two took their seats at the table, she spoke. Have you lured me here with a lie, Monsieur Le Baron? Mademoiselle, he answered courteously. You desire to know many things concerning Monsieur de Lavelle. You shall know them all. First, then, I have the honor to inform you that Monsieur de Lavelle is here, and has been here during the last eleven months. What? cried Adrienne. Why have you kept him hidden? For very good reason, Mademoiselle. You must know that from the day I saw you, I loved you. No, no, Mademoiselle, do not interrupt me, he said, for Adrienne had made a movement of anger. It is all part of what I have to tell you. I say that I loved you, and until the coming of this day, Lavelle, it may be that you looked not unkindly upon me. But before long, I realized that for you, there was but one man in the world. And, Mademoiselle, such was my love for you, that I was willing it should be so, provided I could assure myself that that man, André de Lavelle, was indeed worthy of the great good fortune which had befallen him. Then, the Baron continued, My men told me that you were not the only woman for de Lavelle. They told me that your betrothed when he left you rode straight to a hut in the forest and spent the evenings wandering through the woods, his arm around my forester's daughter, Diane Loiseau, his black locks mingled with her auburn ones. Do you expect me to believe that? asked Adrienne scornfully. You will believe before you leave this hall, the Baron assured her. But let me continue. When I learned of de Lavelle's treachery, rage overpowered me. Near the hut, I placed an ambush. The lips of your betrothed were upon the forester's daughter when they captured him and dragged him before me. De Lavelle flung himself upon the ground and begged me to keep my silence. Yes, he offered to renounce you if I would let him go, but my wrath was to be measured only by my love. And then? Then? asked Adrienne breathlessly. I treated him as he deserved. I cast him into a prison, said Detardus. You left me without word of him all these months, she cried. For your own sake. I knew how painful it would be to you to realize that you had been betrothed to a creature so unworthy, a traitor. I thank you, but I condemn no man unheard, said Adrienne proudly. You say that André is imprisoned here. I must see him and permit him to defend himself. Detardus left the table and walked slowly across the hall. When he arrived opposite the secret spring, he turned and faced Adrienne, who was following his movements with a gaze of mingled agony and expectation. Then, as he touched it, the panel drew back into its socket. Detardus lifted a lamp. There, cried he, there is the traitor who insulted you. The figure in the cage rose to its knees, blinking, for the sudden change from utter darkness to light rendered him blind for a moment. The next, he seized the bars of the cage, shaking and tearing at them like some imprisoned animal. Adrienne stood still. The horror of the moment completely deprived her of the power of speech. At last, the words came. Oh, it cannot be. It is impossible. Andre, it is not you. It cannot be you, she cried. Adrienne, came de Lavelle's voice. It is indeed I. Adrienne turned on to Tardis. You have done this. This... There is no word I know that would describe you. All for your sake, mademoiselle, said the baron. You forget that, and you have not questioned him. Ask him of the kisses that he gave to Diane Loiseau, and of how he confessed to me that he cared not for you, but for your possessions. My Andre, cried Adrienne. Tell me this is not true. I know you too well. It is a lie, a wild invention. 
tell me and I will believe you. You're Andre, repeated the man in the cage. The Baron said that you would turn from me with hatred and disgust, that you would loathe the sight of me who have no longer the appearance of a human being. Bah, cried the Baron. See how he shirks an answer. If you do not answer at once, I will press this spring. Then I will answer, most noble Baron de Tardis, replied the prisoner contemptuously. You have said that I walked in the woods with Diane Loiseau, and that I renounced the Lady Adrienne. Andre de Lavelle drew an unsteady breath and continued. Till an hour ago, when you told me that if I acknowledged my love for her, I should be free before dawn, I never heard of the Forester's daughter. As to the renunciation which you commanded me to make, I have this to say. I love the Lady Adrienne, and her only, and her will I continue to love until death. Seeing in Adrienne's eyes how utterly his plan had miscarried, the Baron broke into uncontrollable rage. Do you realize that the words you have spoken condemn you to spend the rest of your life where you are? The prisoner replied, I shall at least have the sweet memory of your chagrin to keep me company. Mademoiselle, this is my last word, cried the Baron. Wed me, and this man shall have his liberty. Refuse and return home, while he remains here with the implements of torture which are still to be found in this castle, said he. This castle can stand a two-year siege, even if you can prevail upon people to come and besiege it, which I think you will find it hard to do. The Baron turned and walked toward the door. Talk it over and make your choice. You shall have ten minutes, as I have other immediate matters on which to attend. The moment they were alone, Adrienne rushed forward and caught the hand which De Lavelle had thrust through the bars and covered it with kisses. Can I not free you? She asked. No, he carries the key upon his person, De Lavelle replied. Adrienne's eyes were blazing with a light that the Count De Lavelle had never seen there before. She crossed swiftly to the table and lifted the great flagon of tarragona wine that stood upon it. From this she poured out a cup. I have a vial of poison. I brought it in case in case he should refuse to let me go. Then, shielding the flagon with her body from any gaze which might be turned upon it from the direction of the door, she emptied into the large container the vial of poison. Next, with a firm step, she went to the door and called out the name of the Baron. It was perhaps a full minute before Detardus returned. And your decision? Adrienne lifted up her cup of tarragona wine. I will marry you where and when you wish. Then she drank it to its dregs. And so I pledge you, my lord. The Baron stared for a moment. Then, springing forward, he filled a cup from the great flagon. Turning to his prisoner, who was clinging to the bars and pressing his bearded face against them, the Baron shouted. She comes readily to my arms, does she not, my most dear count? I drink, I drink deep to the loveliest of wives. In the next moment, the Baron advanced towards Adrienne. Her heart stood still, for she had no idea how long the poison would need for its work, and she knew that, did the Baron suspect anything, all hope would be over. Detardus caught Adrienne in his arms. She struggled, fighting him off. Then, as he still came on, she saw that his eyes were filled with a strange wildness. Suddenly, without warning, his jaws snapped together, and he fell forward upon his face. In a moment more, Adrienne had the Baron's key and opened the cage. Blessing her name, André de Lavelle crept across the threshold. It was the first time for eleven months, so he could not stand upright, but shambled round the hall with uncouth and hesitating paces. De Lavelle came to the body of the Baron. He is not dead. 
The TARDIS's eyes were open, his hands groping feebly. The Count bent over him. He is recovering. The poison was much diluted in the Great Flagon. Ah, heaven is not unjust after all. De Lavelle plucked the pistol from the Baron's belt and put it in the breast of his own shirt. Afterward, with a strength born of fury which none could have believed him to possess, he dragged a TARDIS to the cage and thrust him into it, locking the door upon him. Then, he touched the secret spring, and the panel shot back. Monsieur Le Baron! called out a voice. Pierre entered the room just as the panel closed. He made a move for Adrienne, who was nearest to the door. De Lavelle quickly drew the Baron's pistol. At the shot, Pierre fell. Quick, André! Let us leave this dreadful place! cried Adrienne. De Lavelle took Adrienne by the arm as they moved toward the door. Soon they were flying along the track between the chestnut trees, away from the Baron's castle. By dawn, two of the three human beings alive who knew the secret of the cage were nearing Adrienne's home in Normand. The third was beating the bars of the cage with bleeding hands and screaming, Pierre? Pierre? But Pierre came not, and the thick walls held their secret for many a year. We hope you've enjoyed our presentation of Tartus the Terrible, adapted from the short story by H. Esketh Pritchard, as read by J.T. Be sure to join us next month for another tale of mystery and wonder. In the meantime, feel free to visit our website at auditorychronicles.com for an archive of previous episodes, as well as links to our Twitter feed and Facebook page. For Auditory Chronicles, I'm John McKenzie. Thanks for listening.